0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, December 14th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Tuesday was stormy in southeast Alaska with a flood watch and high winds. Another storm is expected today, but forecasters say it's not supposed to be as severe. Mason Villarma, Wrangell's interim city and borough manager, says Wrangell's landslide zone was in good shape after Tuesday's storm. And he says they're paying close attention to the next storm. He says they will be cognizant of the slope due to the saturation of the soil from the rain over the last couple days.
1: It was reported a two inches of rainfall at the airport, but three, uh, three inches plus out at the slide site in the last uh, 36 hours. So that's a significant amount of rainfall uh, similar to the amount that was experienced on the November 20th slide date. The Department
0: of Transportation will install new weather monitoring equipment at the slide site. This is expected to happen in the next couple weeks. It includes a weather station that will measure the rain and wind. Depending on their monitoring, Valarma says the city will post the road access schedule at the end of Wednesday. Valarma says a 72-inch culvert will be installed this weekend to help with debris flow. Sam Dapsevich is with the State Department of Transportation, which is doing the work. He says the road will be down to one lane for the installation. During Tuesday evening's assembly meeting, Valarma talked about the beginning stages of an online landslide advisory system. He says that the platform will show when there is a higher landslide risk given the current weather conditions. He also says that the two weather stations and the drone in the box that the city is expecting will be tied into the platform. Valarma plans to meet with Lisa Bush from the Sitka Sound Science Center today to talk about Sitka's landslide advisory system. Thursday marks the end of an era in Sitka. Dr. Tom Jacobson, who's been practicing dentistry for over five decades, will be hanging up his picks and retractors. But you can forget the Lazy Boy. This record-holding master swimmer and long-distance hiker is hitting the trail. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports.
2: Dentistry in southeast Alaska nowadays looks a lot like dentistry anywhere else. Fifty years ago, that was not the case.
1: I started off here at the Indian Health Service Hospital before search, and I was the itinerant dental officer, so myself and my assistant the pilot, we flew around to quite a few of the villages in southeast Alaska with our dental operatory miniaturized in the back of a a Beaver float plane, and uh, I did that for three years, and then... Came over to the town here and has been practicing in the same spot ever since.
2: Tom Jacobson practically had just walked off the stage with his diploma from the University of Iowa College of Dentistry when he was hired by the IHS and moved to Alaska. His clinic overlooks Swan Lake in downtown Sitka. The speakers in the waiting and exam rooms play KCAW all day. More on this in a moment. It's got a very chill vibe because Dr. J, as he is widely known, is chill. Chances are he swam 2,000 yards this morning before the rest of Sitka was even awake. It's a habit he's had for decades.
1: My uh, daughters decided to join the swim team, and that was going to be their sport. So, of course, I had to get up early and take them to the pool. And I swam in high school, not very well, I might add. Uh, But uh, I thought, well, this swimming isn't bad. So I started swimming then. I thought, well, I'm up early anyway, might as well. And I continue that today. Well I just swam this morning.
2: Jacobson has been a record holder in the backstroke in his age division in Alaska's master swimming. He's a beast in the other strokes too, except the butterfly. When he joins his master's teammates in the pool, he sometimes refers to his lane as a no fly zone. Jacobson also covers a lot of territory on dry land. Tall, trim, and long legged, he occasionally can be seen walking around town with a loaded backpack. It's a sign that he is in training for a hike that is likely something more than a day trip or even a weekend outing. Jacobson prefers to go long and to go high.
1: And so the John Muir Trail is like 240 miles from uh, Yosemite to Whitney, and it goes across quite a few divides, mm-hmm. passes. And at the very end, comes across from the western side of the Sierras, up across, and across Whitney, and down to the eastern side of the Sierras. So you're crossing a lot of divides
2: when you're on this trail. So about KCAW on the speakers at his dental clinic. It wasn't long after his move to Alaska that Jacobson first became aware of community radio. Sitka had, and still has, an excellent commercial station, but Jacobson got to know a group of people who wanted something really local, and community radio stations were beginning to crop up around Alaska. The Federal Communications Commission wanted potential licensees to raise at least $300,000, which was a small fortune in 1978. Without cash, the alternative was to rally community support. So Jacobson and his like-minded community radio advocates rallied.
1: And for four years, we were running bake sales. We were having square dances over in the old BOQ. And had concerts here, all to raise money to show community support, and we couldn't raise a third of a million dollars, which is what it took to put in this fancy equipment I see here in this room. But if we showed community support, then the FCC could be convinced to give us our operating license to use the public airways. So that's how it got started.
2: But a license is not a radio station. That would still take money. Jacobson says he drew the short straw to travel to Anchorage and to make the case for KCAW before the Alaska Public Broadcasting Commission.
1: Unfortunately, I was the one somehow picked to stand up in front of this big room and uh, explain why we needed $300,000. I'm not a good public speaker and
2: really still am not. The money arrived, and almost 42 years later, KCAW is still going strong. Dr. Jay will take some time to fully separate from his dental practice, which is now in the hands of his partner. In the meantime, he'll be officiating high school swim meets, as always, and living in a way that is and should be the envy of all of us. Corey Kelly Proctor, a hygienist at Sitka Dental for 20 years, is just saying what we're all thinking.
3: I've always imagined you as sort of a Benjamin Button, so I expect you're going to be racing up mountains and swimming rivers just uh Please make sure you take lots of pictures so we can all follow along the way.
2: (laughs) Tom Jacobson's last official day on the job is Thursday, December 14th. Reporting in Sitka with help from Cindy Edwards, I'm Robert Woolsey.
0: A project intended to bring dozens of furnished studio apartments to downtown Juneau passed a major hurdle on Tuesday. The City Planning Commission okayed a conditional use permit for a 72-unit apartment building, despite safety concerns from some top city officials.
3: KTOO's Clarice Larson has more. Juno resident Kay Mel told the Planning Commission she thinks the building will be, quote, a tremendous asset to downtown.
0: I realize there's significant technical challenges and maybe they've not all been
3: adequately addressed yet, but I would definitely be very supportive of seeing this move forward. Of the eight commissioners, only one voted against the permit Tuesday night, but that decision came after hours of discussion. The six-story building is set to be located on three vacant lots on Gastineau Avenue, just uphill from the Downtown Library. Capital City Fire and Rescue Chief Rich Etheridge said the department would not be supporting the building due to its location.
2: The higher risk of you know, damaging personal vehicles, damaging equipment, getting equipment stuck, uh, not being able to access, um, you know, people having emergencies. Yeah, you know, landslides are definitely, you know, especially this day and age, um, uh, you know, that's always a concern.
3: Gassineau Avenue is a dead end street and there isn't an easy turnaround point. The project site is on a downhill slope towards South Franklin Street on the Mount Roberts hillside. It's a short walk away from where a landslide damaged homes and displaced residents last fall. Etheridge shared a memo outlining several public safety concerns, pointing to vehicle congestion, difficulty parking, natural hazards, and the lack of easy access. He said increasing the number of units in the area would only make those problems worse. City staff also recommended the commission deny the permit, citing similar concerns. The applicant from the private development group, Steve Sankson, said much of the building will be used for workforce housing. Of the new units, 61 will be studios and another eight will be handicap accessible. All are slated to be fully furnished and ready to move in by the summer of 2025. Only seven parking spots will be constructed for the 72 units. However, that's seven more than is required per the zoning in the area. The developers say an additional two bike racks will be built nearby. Vehicle congestion and lack of parking was a concern for commissioners like Mandy Cole.
0: This design works if people aren't bringing their cars.
3: Commissioner Paul Volkers voted in favor of the project. He says it should be celebrated for what it means for downtown housing
1: at the end of the day we all understand that we've all been working in some fashion to increase housing downtown for years and years and i think that this has historically been a successful site for housing
3: the project was granted seven hundred thousand dollars and a pre-development loan from the city's affordable housing fund in october 2022. it will still be required to go through a building permitting process before construction can begin Fire code requires a second emergency access point. Jill McLean, the city's director of community development, said she is unsure about what that would be. In Juneau, I'm Clarice Larson.
0: Governor Mike Dunleavy said Tuesday that he plans to include funding to replace an aging state ferry in his budget request for next year. The remark comes after Senator Lisa Murkowski urged her fellow Republican to set aside $23 million in the budget to help support a much larger federal grant that would fund a replacement vessel for the 59-year-old ferry Tustamina. In a recent interview with the Anchorage Daily News, Murkowski said the state ferry system had been allowed to go into a, quote, death spiral due to a lack of funding for service and maintenance. In recent years, the ferry system has weathered breakdowns, cut back port calls, and struggled to hire crew. But at a news conference ahead of his annual holiday open house in Juneau, Dunleavy pushed back.
2: We don't believe it's going into a death spiral. As a matter of fact, the last few years we've put a lot of money into it, we restructured it. We believe it's on a track to become an excellent transportation system for the state of Alaska. So...
0: The funding would unlock nearly $100 million in federal money from 2021's bipartisan infrastructure law. The replacement for the Tustamina is expected to serve south-central and western Alaska as the state ferry system's first hybrid diesel-electric vessel. By law, the governor's budget is due to lawmakers by Friday. Dunleavy says he expects to release it today. The budget provides a starting point for state lawmakers, who refine the spending plan during the legislative session, which begins January 16th. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.